You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Hello and welcome to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels. We are live inside the Indiana Convention Center for the NFL Combine. And Sage, I just spent my last 20 minutes talking with Vikings general manager Rick Spielman. So I want you to give me a topic, and I will tell you what Rick Spielman said about it. Well, before we get into it, luckily, at these press conferences, it's always nice when the head coaches and the general managers tell us everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, very they, very they, transparent. They told us who's unhappy. They told us who they're going to draft. They told us exactly what they're looking at in free agency. The wealth of information that we got from that press right. conference was amazing. It's so, a reason to listen today. Well, let's just start off with this is the uh, Stefan Diggs situation. You asked uh, Rick Spielman about his situation, if he had asked for a trade, and what was his answer? I did. I looked right in his eyes, and I said, I demand the truth, Rick, about what is going on with Stefan Diggs. Now, here's the interesting part of this. I always listen to what people are saying, but also what they're not saying. So Rick Spielman, when he was asked about Stefan Diggs, he talked a lot about how much he loves Stefan Diggs, which we knew. The organization appreciates him. He's a really great wide receiver. Spielman said multiple times that he had the best year of his career last year, which I would agree with in terms of your yards per catch, how he fit into what Gary Kubiak wanted to do. Catch numbers down yard numbers up exactly but he did not say oh everything's great and and what you saw out there on the the media side and all the conversation about it was just totally made up and and he did say that sometimes things get blown up a little bit more because of the nfl world that we live in so when there are weird tweets or someone washes their instagram or whatever it's is just kind of how football works. And there was no specific report that he was trying to get traded, but since Spielman spent so much time talking about how much he loves Stephon Diggs, I felt it was necessary to ask him, okay, well, is he trying to get traded, though? And he said, well, I haven't met with his agent yet, which to me was not a hard no. How dare you ask me if Stephon Diggs wanted to be traded? So it's one of those things where this is the entire Stephon Diggs situation has been smoke, there must be fire, but where is the fire? Can they put out the fire? Well, but also Diggs adds to that smoke. I think that's part of the problem here is that because of his tweets or his Instagram or those types of things, there's all these sort of un- underlying messages that he throws out there that makes you come to these sort of conclusions that he wants out of Minnesota. Uh, but, of course, the organization is going to say the right thing, do the right thing in the sense of, of course, they want him back. He's one of the best players on this football team. He's one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. He's extremely valuable to have across from Adam Thielen. He's extremely valuable to Dalvin Cook's production as a running back, is to have not just a top-flight wide receiver, but a guy that can also take the top off. He's a fast guy, but he's also a guy who's like a Wes Welker in the slot. He really does. He's a full uh, package wide receiver. So, of course, the organization 
organization loves him and they're going to want him back. But they, I, I think his answer is a bit showing about, again, like about what he didn't say, right. uh, which is, yes, yeah, Stefan Diggs is extremely happy and he'll be back for sure. And is, there's no problems there whatsoever. He's going to meet with his agent for some reason. There's rarely a reason to meet with a, a receiver's agent or any football player's agent when they have multiple years left on their deal. That's right. And they just signed him to a contract extension before the 2018 season. And, and that's what, a whole part of it, too, and why I don't think that they would make any effort to trade him whatsoever is that he's under contract. And there isn't really a whole lot he could do if he wanted out of Minnesota. And, and Spielman wouldn't say specifically that Diggs is really happy here, and especially when it came to asking him about uh, Courtney Cronin, who will be on in a little bit. She asked him about wanting the ball. And all Spielman could really say was, well, of course, you know, all great receivers want the ball because that's why they're great wide receivers. But they also did, like, they threw him the ball a lot last year. It wasn't like he was the third option. I mean, I get it. They are in a run-based offense. They've got Dalvin Cook. This is the style they decided it's going to win the most football games, keep them in the most football games, in particular with their quarterback. I mean, they don't have Pat Mahomes as a quarterback, so they're not going to throw it 50, 50 times every single game. So, But he is the number one guy, especially with Thielen being out for, what, five games or something last year, yeah. I feel like. Like, so, I mean, Diggs was far and away, the, and even when he came back, he wasn't this, the Adam thing that we saw in past years. Yeah. So Diggs is the number one guy. He is getting the ball a lot. He is the number one guy in a lot of the, especially the play-action stuff where mm-hmm. the tight ends are blocking. He is the guy. So uh, I think they're doing everything they can to make him happy to give him the football. There's just not going to be as many catches. But, again, we saw those yards. We talked about it all offseason last year. Uh, once they signed, you know, made Stavansky the coordinator, mm-hmm. once they made Kubiak sort of the, the senior consultant, and I knew they'd run that offense. And the fact that his, he was at 10.0 the year before on his yards. He had 102 catches for just over 1,000 yards. I knew that number would jump up at almost double to 18 yeah. yards per catch. That's phenomenal. So, yeah, yeah you're going to get yeah. fewer, fewer catches. Right. We're going to have a lot more yards, a lot more opportunities, a lot more chances to make big plays. And, you know, yeah, you can throw guys smoke screens and five-yard little routes all the time. But if I'm a wide receiver, I'd rather have fewer catches but more yards and more touchdowns. Right. And there aren't too many wide receivers in the NFL who can catch the percentage of balls that come their way that Diggs did last year. There, I went back through it trying to find guys who caught around 70% of their passes and average 18 yards a catch. There aren't that many. doesn't happen. It's hard to find. Yeah. Usually it's like a 50-50 because you have to throw downfield so much for that to happen. And that's why they that's, won't that's move our, Stephon that, Diggs. That's from our analytics department, by the it way. It is, yeah. All these, that's right. We have seven analytics people yes. who, are, who, who have told us They're on the, other side that of the, the further you throw the ball down the field, the lower the chance that it's going to be caught. Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We needed the whole analytics department. Thanks, guys. All, Appreciate it. All of Pro Football Focus is there. That joke, by the way, if you're listening on the air, it's was free. for the YouTube audience that we are also uh, recording. If you don't know, that's where we put up a lot of our stuff. A lot of our conversations is on YouTube, so you can always just search um, Purple Daily, and then you can see our faces inside the convention center discussing this. So, okay, so that's the latest on uh, Stefan Diggs. That's Rick question Spielman number one. made it very clear, bottom line, that Diggs is great at football and and they want nothing to do with getting rid of him. Um, question number two: What do you think? What, what do you think we asked Spielman the most about? Well, you know, he discussed his running backs. Obviously, he's very happy with his running back situation. But what's the Dalvin Cook scenario and his contract extension? Do you like asking me the questions now? Like, well, normally you know, I'm asking you the questions. Like, break down this guy's footwork. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so here's the latest on Delvin Cook. It sounds to me... By the way, you're more the reporter. Yes. I'm the analyst. So this is more, This yes. is a reporting situation. Yes. When these guys go out and throw and run around in their shorts, that's, that's supposed to be my that's job. That's for you. Yeah. That's right. So, And this is fun for me because normally I'm hosting the show, so I'm asking the questions as opposed to giving you the report. But since I was there for Spielman's private session with reporters, I have to do the reporting. Um, well, let me tell you my takeaway on the way that Spielman talked about Delvin Cook. It sounds to me like... Yeah, we want this guy back. And not just the blowing smoke. Like, of course he's good, but anybody can be a running back. A lot of times, if just with Spielman and Zimmer, you can get a read if they're not really going hard onto it. If it's more of wishy-washy a little bit, they don't want to make any false like, promises. Like, I'm going to meet with this agent, we'll see how it goes. Exactly. Just the same exact <laughs> way with Stefan Diggs. This was the opposite. This was very clear that they think every situation with running backs is different, and they think that with Delvin Cook, he is so important to this offense that he's a guy they're going to want to give a contract extension to. Now, he also said that you're not going to hear anything about contract extensions being signed at the combine because they won't sign them until after the draft more yes. likely than not it seems like they have sort of, it seems yep. like rick has a process yep. and rob brzezinski the process it's draft it's obviously the, the combine now yep. it's then free agency then it's the draft and then it's re-signing guys who aren't up you know uh, as uh, unrestricted free agents right when we're talking about march here so it seems like to me that's a couple months down the road you know, maybe uh, in middle of May or even yep. or even into June, um, to to talk about those extensions with those agents. But it was uh, you know pretty obvious of um, we absolutely want Dalvin Cook here. Yes. We're going to try to sign him. Now this is the time of making up stories, right? Uh-huh. And yep. so with this dig situation and the Dalvin Cook situation, I look at it and go, you know, what if some team did come in and say, yeah, we're going to give up a first rounder and a third rounder for Stefan Diggs. You can then take some of that money, mm-hmm. give it to Dalvin Cook. You also now got some draft picks, which this team is going to need to replace some of these star players that right. you know are just going to either they're going to have to release or didn't play as well or they're free agents or whatever it might be. There is some interesting scenarios there. Yeah, you'd hate to lose a star receiver, one of the best players in the team. Mm-hmm. But you also know you've got other guys like Dalvin Cook that you really, really want to sign back. And he is the focal point of this offense. Yeah. It is a run-first offense. And yep. if you don't have a, a great running back and a run-first offense, what are you doing? right? So uh, there, there might be something there with these, these two scenarios sort of uh, you know, working together. So Rick talked about that as well. He was asked, do you think you can really win in 2020 if you are a run-first offense? And the answer was, well, if we have our play action working off of it, which you and I have talked Did you not see the yeah. NFC Championship yeah. game in the San Francisco 49ers, which was basically a run only offense right, with the quarterback right. going six for eight. So wouldn't it be great next year if the the Vikings were in the championship game and Kirk Cousins had to go six for eight for, <laughs> se- for 75 yards yes. and, and get to the Super Bowl? That would be nice. Yes, I'm sure Kirk would be thrilled at that. Um, and uh, probably the offensive line would be happy too. Those guys love run blocking and don't always love pass blocking. But it, it just came across to me as if they believe that Delvin Cook is one of their core star young players. And he mentioned Cook in the same uh, I, I guess, category as Daniil Hunter, which said to me, all right, this is a guy that we're going to hear about an extension coming up pretty soon. But I will tell you this, that I talked to some people last night, because right at the Combine, this is what you do. It's amazing. Um, so, it's amazing the conversations you have at like 1230 at night. It's also amazing that so many people are just out 
It was really late when I was out, and everyone is just walking around. Like, oh, okay, it's you know past midnight, and people are still around. Well, so. here's what's interesting, by the way. Speaking of that, and the, the the for the fans at home, the combine schedule is different this year. In the past, a lot of the players have worked out during the day, so the coaches obviously were in the uh, the Lucas Oil Stadium during the day. Now it's all prime time. Owners trying to make as much money as possible, right. so like quarterbacks throw from like seven to eleven, I think, or something. Uh, on Thursday and the other players as well more at night. Last night, the coaches were interviewing these players. That's a, sort of a d- different thing also where they're doing it actually at Lucas Oil Stadium in like the suite area. They're doing all the player interviews. They used to do it at the sort of the players' hotel and they just grab guys. It's sort of, uh, it's more organized, uh, yeah. I think, this year. But these coaches were getting out of these meetings last night at 11 o'clock and right. some of them hadn't had dinner. Some wanted to just, you know, get, get a break and go out for a drink. So it ends up being some pretty late nights and that's, it is amazing how much information you can get from these guys at, you know, 1230 in the morning and, and, uh, and it's, it's not like it's super insider stuff or anything like that, but, you know, to, to they, you know, can speak freely about some of the players they have or in particular they more speak freely about other teams right. players and this know. is where i'm going with this like oh uh, yeah that guy's not very good i heard a great uh i'm just gonna say it, i heard a great blake bortles last night where they said uh, you know blake bortles i tell you when he came out he shows you all the throws you just have to watch a lot of tape to see all the throws that's that was like his when he, when he came out for the draft these football people have zingers for days <laughs> yeah. like that well i'll tell you what i heard on delvin cook is that there is some concern that he's just going to try to push the envelope here with his deal. Now, if you're Delvin Cook and you're looking at the landscape in terms of how running backs have been paid, how many haven't worked out, what Ezekiel Elliott got, like the Vikings. Le'Veon Bell, right, those Le'Veon Bell. two guys, which, and, by the way, both those guys got paid. Both those guys did not make the playoffs and, last year. And, and Melvin Gordon ends up sitting out and then just coming back without a contract because he lost that. Yeah. And so there's some concern with the Delvin Cook situation that he's going to try to sit out or try to push the envelope too far here and overvalue himself a little bit and then put the Vikings in a tough position because the Vikings have taken care of all their young players. This is one of the reasons why they're good. It's one of the reasons why the organization is respected and why players come back because they make sure that guys get paid. Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. They could have tried to play hardball with Adam Thielen. He was still under contract when he signed his extension for, I think, two more years, but it was just wrong to pay him so little, so they wanted to make that right, and they paid him. It's pretty obvious that Rob Brzezinski, Rick Spielman, really the whole organization, they do have a philosophy as when we have young players, they're all about these core players and sort of always having a core of, I don't know what the number is, it's probably six to 12 guys that are paid well, uh, but to keep that core intact and then you're constantly adding and subtracting players around that core and and he sort of spoke about that a little bit at the press conference today guys like daniel hunter uh you know harrison smith had obviously been here for a while and, and been a part of that but those core group of guys you can count in uh count on day in and day out you know every day at practice you know obviously during the games they've ha- they have the experience but those some of those core players are expensive once they do resign their deal, but they also sometimes they're getting older, and when you get older, your production goes down just a little bit, and your price tag keeps going up a little bit with how contracts are usually, uh, you know, set up. Uh, that makes for some tough decisions, and I think you know I look around the National Football League, and you know all teams have 
similar things going on with the Vikings right now. Every single team has some star players they want to resign. They're young. They got some older guys. Their production's gone down. They may have to get rid of. Yep. Everyone's making decisions. I really do believe the Vikings are have about a, as as many of those as almost any team in the yeah, National oh yes, Football for sure. League as far as star players that maybe they have to do move possibly or or, or release, and then some young guys uh, like like a Dalvin Cook that are going to be you know want their big payday. So yep. there, there's a there's a lot going on for an off season for what February whatever this is. There is a lot going on uh, with uh, with with this Vikings team that's going to be really interesting between now. And July 4th. Yes. I mean, that's when these re-signs sort of happen. We talked about maybe in June or in May, but a lot's going to go on in this football team. And, and, and it really does start with this combine. Mm-hmm. Who do they really like here? Who are they maybe thinking about drafting? And then obviously free agency coming up here in early March. Right. So uh, we, he was not specific on how they want to handle different guys' situations who are free agents and things like that. It was pretty much the same answer you'd expect. We're going to meet with everyone's agent. And then I joked with Rick, like, well, can you text us after that and let us know how it went? Like, can you just, you know, give us a little update? If you they can. do that stuff after all the press conferences. They don't have to have any answers. That's exactly right. So then we can't read all the tells on whether he's lying or not. But the bottom line on the Delvin Cook situation is very clear to me that the Vikings see him as a part of the young core on offense that they want to keep together for a long time. They think it's important, and we'll get to this in just a second, that Kirk Cousins has the same people around him that he did last year to build on those yes. people. And if Cook is holding out, that's going to be a big problem for that, to well, have the, the whole group of weapons that you need for Cousins. That is one thing Rick talked about was the core group of, in particular, skill positions. I don't know if he really brought the offensive lineman as much, which I can't say that's telling, but we all know there's probably going to be some changes. That yep. There is almost on every NFL team, there's changes along the offensive line, whether it's starters and or backups. But he talked about that core group of the wide receivers, uh, Thielen and Diggs, both tight ends. He brought both running backs. I mean, he really feels they put a, a great nucleus around their quarterback back mm-hmm. to try to yep. maximize his talents as best as possible. And you know, one thing that Spillman said, and I, I do believe it true, is they have one of the better throwing quarterbacks in the league. He didn't say one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but most throw, accurate, most yes. accurate, you know, throwing and, and a lot of deep stuff. He's he's been, you know, especially the, the last I'd say three quarters of the season. He was as good on the deeper stuff as you'll see in the National Football League. He talked about uh, the comeback game versus Denver being a sort of big moment for uh, for, for Kirk Cousins. He, of course, he talked about that playoff game against the Saints, one of the big, you know, probably the biggest uh, game of of uh, Kirk Cousins' life that he won. Uh, he did bring up the Dallas game, which you know that whole thing of like, yeah, he helped win the Dallas game, but they did hand the ball off ten times on like the most important drive of right. that football game. Yeah. So I sort of like take that with a, like nine grains of salt, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but talking about putting those players uh, and having all that talent around their quarterback, which makes, of course, the quarterback better. I mean, really, Kirk Cousins is in a beautiful situation for himself. Uh, of course, if you know Dalvin Cook gets re-signed, that'd be great. If Stephon Diggs is back, that'd be great. But, I mean, you can't ask for a guy who is in the same offense that he sort of came up, up in the NFL with Kyle Shanahan in, in Washington, now Kubiak, very, very similar with all, that st- all those stars around him and guys that do different things. I mean, we all know, you know, Kyle, you know Kyle Rudolph isn't a – uh, a burner down the field, and they'll put him on the outside as like a wide receiver. Right. But to have a guy in the red zone and inside the five and ten yard line that's as good as Kyle, mm-hmm. they really do have players around Kirk Cousins that really improve his game. They absolutely do, and and I think that's why he had his best season as a pro last year. You combine Gary's system with lots of playmakers, and then I did ask Spielman about the offensive line, which I know everyone's dying to hear about. But let's talk about what he said about Kirk Cousins. You were there for that. We asked him again.
again in the private session uh, after there was two different ones, one at the podium and then one with just a couple of us writers. And, of course, he was not going to come out and say, oh, yes, for sure, we're going to re-sign Kirk Cousins right now because you can't say that and you don't know what his thoughts are on it or his demands because you have to meet with the agent. Well, but yeah, go ahead. I, well, I just got the sense that what the organization is going to shift toward here is we're going to rebuild the defense and we're going to have this offense now be our uh, uh, unit that has continuity. Yes. And that would include Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Just the way that he talked about the continuity and wanting to have Irv Smith and Dalvin Cook and Diggs and Thielen for a long time and Brian O'Neill on the offensive line and Garrett Bradbury on the offensive line. They want to be saying three, four years from now the same thing we were saying about the defense, about how, hey, these guys have been together year after year after year and they know the system so well and everything else. That's what they want on the offense. That does not scream to me we're looking at George in love or something, right? That screams to me that they want Cousins to be the quarterback. Well, Cousins definitely the quarterback this year, but you know, I don't know if I don't know if I missed it, but there was really no talk of like you know Kirk Cousins' contract extension. You know, do you want to add two, three, four years onto this deal, or do you think there might be something out there better? Yeah, that and gives he wasn't going to say better that. opportunities. So yeah. that wasn't really brought up too much. I do think the Vikings very well could draft a quarterback, not high though, but you know, it's, it's Spielman's been doing that for a long time. Not every year, but I would say four out of five. Five years, it seems like he drafts somebody in rounds five through seven. It's nice to you know occasionally find a dime in the rough. That's that's actually a very much a Philadelphia Eagles back to the Andy Reid days. Um, I was talking to Rich Scangarello last night, who is now the senior offensive assistant in Philadelphia. But like that organization wants to draft uh, a quarterback every year yeah. because you end up with uh, you know AJ Feely. He was drafting the fifth round, end up trading him for a second rounder. Mm-hmm. Kevin Kolb, he was a uh, you know n- not a super high draft pick, but they want guys uh, whether for their own team as starters someday or yeah. even backups, like a right. quality backup you can get in the sixth round. That's inexpensive. Mm-hmm. That's great to have, but also in the chances that those guys could uh, you know possibly play. Well well enough where you like your starter, but they play really well in a couple games that you can get, you know, a third rounder or a second rounder for them, you know, somewhere else. And so I imagine the Vikings are also looking at those quarterbacks that aren't in the, you know, those top four or five guys. Rumor has there might be five first round draft picks this year. Yeah, and I I can see it. I think at least two of those guys are going to be reaches. I could see it. And the way that the Vikings handle the draft will tell us all about where they're at with Cousins and extension talks. I just got the feeling walking away from talking with Spielman, and we'll see what Courtney Cronin says later in the show if she had the same sense or maybe she could have interpreted it differently that they believe that they have the right formula to win with Kirk and when Spielman talked about the next step was to win it was to win big games it was to show up and play really well in New Orleans it was to lead a comeback win against Denver I mean there are different ways we could sort of poke holes in that but that's how they view it, it seems, at least by the way that Spielman was talking today and when he talked about the continuity everything around Kirk Cousins and the addition of Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator keeping with the same system. They feel like he has a system where he could be really good in and he can grow in. That does not sound to me like, yeah, we're going to move on from him pretty quick. It's If you're reading in between the lines, it sounds to me like an extension for Kirk Cousins would be likely. That's where I would put my money right now. So let's talk about that real quick. Let's just say they do some sort of contract extension with Kirk. 
if it was you, the general manager, Matthew Collar, uh, what kind of co- contract extension do you think they'd be interested in? Like a three-year deal? I mean, you're going to probably have well over half, if not two-thirds of that deal guaranteed. All right, that was a, oh, the, if, if it, not all, if not all of it, yeah. with with Kirk's uh, agent Mike McCartney out of Chicago, you know, doing that fully guaranteed deal last time. You know, will they do that again? Do the Vikings want to have him for two or three more years? Because right. there is a ceiling to Kirk, and that's mm-hmm. the whole thing with him. Um, he is really good when the players around him are really good. We talk about that consistently this year, but there's definitely a ceiling there. For sure, he's not. He's never going to be Pat Mahomes. He's never going to be Russell Wilson. Right. He's never going to be one of these top five guys. You can go, okay, we're down ten, go win us the football game. Right. I mean, again, the Denver game, you could say, yeah, we're down twenty, but he didn't do anything special. They just executed well in the second half, and Denver sort right. of fell apart, and they had a young quarterback out there. So the question is, do they really want to spend a lot of money? Uh, as the guy going long term in the future, I if it's me, I look at it as maybe a one year extension if they can I do that. The but, same thing. But what is that number? And but I, you know, do they wait until I don't know? It's I'm really fascinated by the whole situation. I, I almost have a thing of like, do they let him just play out this season and then look for something else next year? Because they could be, you know, we're at that point in this the whole team. Of course, you want to be consistently good, mm-hmm. but they're at that point. We've talked about with a lot of these veteran players is hey. We may need to have a bad year right. or so, yeah, and, right. and so maybe they the decide that's twenty twenty one. Like you know, we're just going to go with a young quarterback. We're going to have to get rid of three or four guys who are highly paid, and we're just going to sort of start over. They won't say that, mm-hmm. but that might be a time where they're coming up on a lot of these star players who are you know getting to the end of their careers. So if you told me that you are definitely extending Kirk Cousins, so let's say ownership comes to me as the GM and says, "Look, you're extending Kirk." Uh, you figure out how, but you're doing that. He's our quarterback. Then I'm going to his representatives and saying, so we're probably going to go to 17 games eventually, which is going to be way more money. How would you feel like signing a two-year contract extension that takes you up to when the salary cap's going to shoot up, and then you can figure it out, and then we can have our time to figure out whether we want you to be our quarterback long-term and match up with what our timelines are for winning and all that sort of thing. So you'd be our quarterback for at least the next three years, but we don't have to sign on to you until you're 36 or 37 years old. I I think that that might be a way that they approach it, but I just came away from today feeling like I'd be now surprised if they were looking for other quarterback options, especially early in this draft. Uh, Let's take a break. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels from the NFL Combine. There's a lot going on going on around us as maybe you could hear or maybe you couldn't john elway drove by me in a golf cart and i saw my best buddy doug marone he's so, got bad news a lot going on yeah um i was hoping that elway would hear us talking about coobs and be like are you guys talking about coobs let me you know but um let's uh, continue that conversation courtney cronin's going to stop by as well we are live from the combine matthew collar sage rosenfels here on purple daily Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back out to the Combine in just one moment. But first, the Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available right now. Over at scorenorth.com, play 12, 18-hole rounds at 12 beautiful courses, 
for just one low price of $75. That's a $435 value for just $75. Supplies limited. Visit scorenorth.com keyword deals to purchase and learn more. Rick Spielman taking the podium at the NFL Combine today, talking about the Stefan Diggs situation and what's ahead this offseason. Here's what he said. No, Stefan last year had probably his most productive year, and he's a young receiver we just extended, and he's a not only a major part of our offense and a major part of our organization winning games, but he's also uh, does a lot of things for this organization off the field as well. So, you know, there is no reason or the rumors or whatever you're talking about to to anticipate that Stefan Diggs is not going to be a Minnesota Viking. And when you have the some of the offensive talent that we have with him and Thielen together and with Rudy and Irv Smith and with uh, Delvin Cook and Madison, um, we have a pretty good uh, support staff around that or uh, support cast around our quarterback. That's been your score North download. Now back to Purple Daily and the NFL Combine. All right, back here at the Combine, Matthew Collar, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, who's just been going down memory lane and hobnobbing with everyone here. I met Brady Quinn. I did not expect to meet Brady Quinn, but then you and Brady Quinn started talking football, so I just stood there and listened to you and Brady Quinn talk football. (laughs) But the number of random people that you run into. So I met Katie Sowers last night. She is the the woman who works with the San Francisco 49ers on their coaching staff. And so already it's like peak combine of running into and meeting random NFL celebrities. Well, all the dots get connected very, very quickly here. And you pretty much, there's a couple hotels. There's a Weston, there's a JW Marriott. But if you just walk into the lobbies, you're just going to run into coaches. You're going to run into GMs. You're going to run into just people you know within the organizations yep. that are staying at these places. And it's it is it's, it's amazing how much information you get. You know, talking about you know people talking about you know sometimes their players, but other people's uh, you know players as well. But yeah, it's sort of a it, it's a it's a the nice thing is it's it's not the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is a madhouse, right? Yes. Um, and this is people here for business. And what the, the interesting thing about the the setup here in Indianapolis. Annapolis is that the convention center connects right to the Weston Hotel and that JW Marriott to where you never actually have to walk outside if you're one of those organizations usually stay at one of those two hotels and so it's sort of very secure there's not a lot of fans around but you get unbelievable access to you know basically all the you know types of people that work within and around the NFL so uh, it, it's a, it's a, I'm really happy that we came uh, it was you know, it was fun coming last year I was by myself of course as the journeyman correspondent yes. as your flight got canceled but yeah, for me, it's it's great because not only do I get to run into you know sometimes teammates, but just friends, guys like Brady Quinn or you know Chris Sims working here with Pro Football Talk, and then I got to see you know Kyle Shanahan's uh, press conference, talked to him for a few minutes, you know afterwards saw Matt Lafleur, the Green Bay Packers head coach, saw his press conference. I also saw Nagy's press conference for a little bit too, you know checking out sort of that NFC North and seeing what they're talking about with uh, you know their quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. So it's a great time to get a lot of information, but not just from the Vikings, but from the other organizations as. Well. Yeah, for sure. Now, a lot uh, has already come out in the first day in terms of inside information and just notable little headlines. I know so, you want to talk about hand size. I know, I, I know I you right want to talk my about hand size. Yep, I have it right up here on ESPN at the center is Joe Burrow's nine inch hands. Now, you have gigantic mitts, and it certainly helped you throw the very large football. Not enough, though. <laughs> Not, well, in terms of. Didn't help my decision making. Yeah, right, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, but. Joe Burrow has tiny hands. Does it matter at all that he had? I mean, and a nine-inch hand is still, like, you can grab the football and throw it, but is that a myth? Is that a real thing? 
What, what is your takeaway of the top prospect not having huge fingers? Uh, it doesn't help. You know, I don't think it doesn't. I mean, I think he'll still be the top prospect. He'll probably be the first pick, if not somehow like the third pick or something, if he drops down a couple spots. And, you know, if they, they decide to go with Tua and go in a different direction or something. Um, but, you know, he had such a, a, a great season last year and was so productive. Uh, and he's also, you know, he's a mobile quarterback, a more mobile. He's, he's like one of those guys that's sneaky athletic. Sure. Yeah. Somebody, somebody compared yep. him, Joe Burrow, to. Uh, Joe Montana, of course, you know, you know he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But Joe Montana was sneaky athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a really, really good college basketball player. He, I think he just did ear middle stuff, but he was like a, a really, really good high school basketball player and maybe like walked on to the college team or something for a little bit. Uh, but and didn't have a huge arm. And Joe Burrow doesn't have a huge arm. He's right. not one, a guy that just shocks you with amazing plays in, in, in college football. But he just puts the ball in the right spot. He's got great timing. He gets himself out of trouble when he needs to. He's got so many of those. And he's, you know, he's a football guy, as they say. I right. mean, he grew up in the world of football. His dad's a longtime college defensive coordinator, most recently uh, at Ohio University for a long time. So he is, you know, football is in his blood. But there's other quarterbacks who don't have that. I mean, there really are. There's some quarterbacks in this draft that some people might think could go in the first round that I've heard don't really even love playing football. About yeah. like they have, sure. they're just they're just not really into it. But they, you know, they're great athletes and they got big arms and those things. But um, the the small hands does not help. I, I will say I would rather have a shorter quarterback with big hands than a taller quarterback with small hands. I mean, mm-hmm. it's different playing. This is not down in Baton Rouge and the Southeast uh, Conference and college. The the college football is easier to throw than the NFL football. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, I think, help to have you know bigger hands. Favre had huge hands. Russell Wilson, that's a smaller guy, like monster mitts. Yeah, you're it's right. crazy. Um, and you know, you know, Dante Culpepper had tiny hands, and of course, he had a really, really nice career through for you know almost five thousand yards a couple of times. And so, no, it's not that big of a deal, but it's something to you know take into consideration because uh, they they take into consideration everything yes, for sure. uh, at the NFL Combine. I would love a scientist to tell me. What determines your hand size? Because Stefan Diggs is only 5'11", and he has Russell Wilson size ha- hands, or, or the same size as you, and you're what, 6'5"? I had 10, so, 10 and a half, 10 point, I was 10.5 or 10 uh, inch, uh, 10 and a half inch hands or something like that. And it's from your pinky extended to your thumb extend, like you're doing the aloha thing. That's where they measure it from as far as hand size. So, so Stefan um, Diggs had 10 inch. Yeah, it, it, it matters. Uh, I think it does matter for, you know, maybe not for offensive linemen or something like that or, or corners, but for quarterbacks and, and wide receivers. Mm. I mean, you see Kyle Rudolph's mitts, and of course those white gloves make yes. them look probably even a bit bigger. He's like the hamburger helper guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they matter when you're trying to throw the football and when you're trying to catch it. Yeah, and if he's going to play in Cincinnati, he'll be outdoors, but how many games are really in the cold weather? I, I it, Well, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, yeah, no, that's true. Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, you're I right. mean, that's, that's one of the coldest divisions in the National yeah, Football League. It is, yeah. No, you're right. Um, I just can't make a big deal out of it when he's got the tape, like yeah. you said. Um, now, Tua also has bigger hands, and he's the shorter guy, but he said that he's going to be medically cleared soon, within a couple of weeks, which is a huge deal, because if he can go into this with the medicals all matching up, I wouldn't say that I think he's going to go number one over Joe Burrow, but 
he's going to go way up there. It was all determined on the medicals because his tape is really excellent and his statistics are really excellent. His personality is great. He he's like one of those guys that you want to lead your franchise. And, and there if, are, by the way, there are guys like him who will come to the combine. They go through all this medical stuff. You know, Eric Sugarman and his staff are right now as we speak dealing with guys who had a you know an ACL tear in college or even something in high school and they're getting MRI'd and they're checking them out and looking at all those types of things and and uh, so you know all those injuries do matter but they they do that type of sort of testing I guess or whatever now but they also can do it a couple months from now. Sometimes right. guys that are currently rehabbing an injury or, or one, like, a, like, a, like a Tua situation, mm-hmm. they will, I don't know if they come back here or what they do, but they'll sort of have a second round so all, before the draft so all the NFL teams can see where that progress is. And, you know, right. every day, every, every week, every month matters. Uh, but, you know, if it, it looks like as of right now, uh, you know, Tua, when it comes draft time, when it comes rookie minicamp and OTA time, that he will be healthy for whoever drafts him. Right, and if he can even, I don't know if he would want to do this or not, but if he can even have a pro day where he throws or something like that to show people that he's back to full health, that would really help his stock because he was going to be the top quarterback in this draft and Burrow emerged kind of out of nowhere. But uh, going into this season, everyone thought this is going to be the guy that everyone tanks for because he is that good. And then, you know, getting injured, put the question marks out there. But if you are getting a franchise quarterback, you even take a shot with some of the medicals, even if they come back and you're not a hundred percent sure it's just worth that high of a draft pick. Well, and quarterback's a little different than like a running back. You yeah. know, if Dalvin Cook comes in here and, and he's come out for the draft and he's got a just had a, a hip surgery that's major cause of concern but for quarterbacks an acl or maybe even a hip thing it's not the end of the world usually quarterbacks since they're not runners by sort of trade uh, usually they can overcome those types of surgeries right right so i i think he still gets taken very high i wouldn't be surprised if miami trades up for him or if the lions take him it's going to create a lot of drama up at the top of the draft people so like that's... by the way people like i think jordan love is maybe the third quarterback this utah state kid which i've watched maybe a game and a half of his he sort of looks Looks like Pat Mahomes, but in my opinion, he's definitely not Pat Mahomes. It's yes. sort of like, yeah, he's athletic. He's got a strong arm. He can make, he can, he can make some plays, but he's not Pat Mahomes. And just, you like, know? let's not either with with Mahomes. Like, let's just not. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's the comparable thing I did with Joe Montana, you know, ten minutes ago. But you know, everyone tries to compare. Like, it's it's like, what is their style? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and sure. And so people like his style because there, you know, there's more and more quarterbacks that you uh, sort of the opposite of Kirk Cousins. That yeah, we need to be a good thrower. The guys that can create. There's uh, there's real value there, and he's one of those guys mm-hmm. that can create. Uh, the kid Eason from Washington. People yeah. really like him. He's gigantic. Uh, he's a big. Six foot six, I think. I mean, he looks the part in every possible way. He throws a beautiful deep ball. Don't love his intermediate to sort of short ball accuracy, um, and uh, but he does throw a beautiful deep ball. Uh, of course, people like Justin Herbert. I'm down on Justin Herbert uh, from with the tape that I've seen. The Oregon quarterback. Uh, I'm trying to go sort of through the list. Uh, there's the kid from Georgia, from Jake, from which yeah. definitely is not going to be a first rounder, but sure, people like him. He's you know played in so many big time college football games and. He He's a smaller guy. He is a pretty accurate quarterback, but you know doesn't have. He might be sort of like, like a Kirk Cousins type player. Not a great athlete. Right. Not At a huge absolute arm. best. Yeah, yeah. And and, absolute and does, ceiling. Best does, case scenario. And doesn't have the big arm actually. Yeah. So, uh, but he's accurate. He's been in a lot of big football games. But you know, there's uh, again. I was talking to a couple uh, quarterbacks, coaches, coordinators last night. 
uh, too late, and they were saying, you know, this draft really does, they think has some some diamonds maybe in the rough a little bit, guys, that it's a very deep, maybe not some, you know, great, great guys at the top. There's no Andrew Lux right now, I don't right. think, uh, but they might think there might be like, you know, up to eight, maybe even nine quarterbacks drafted in the 2020 draft. And this could be a year where we see the Vikings actually do it and draft a guy in the fourth round to be their backup quarterback right away and then even just put a little pressure on with Kirk Cousins and say, we will draft somebody else to potentially take your job eventually if you're not signing this contract extension, because I wouldn't expect an extension from Cousins if it does happen before the draft, because that's what Rick Spielman said earlier to us, that they're going to look at those things after the draft with the extensions. So you have to protect yourself a little if you're the Vikings and at least have some other option that you could develop and see what you have. So if there is depth in the draft, third round, fourth round, I think the first two rounds you probably need to look at addressing needs, unless you're going all in with the trade-up option or something like that, which is fun to talk about but hard to see. I, th- I think the mid-round quarterback is much more realistic this year for the Vikings. I don't think this this is not the team that you want to give up a whole bunch of draft capital for sure, future right. or current capital to right. go up and get a guy. Like I don't think the Vikings team is a guy away from winning the Super Bowl. Right? There's not one. Uh, uh, you know. I just don't think that's a situation. Speaking of quarterbacks, by the way, and we talked about them drafting maybe as high as like a fourth rounder, but you know maybe something lower. Spielman has a long history of drafting a quarterback uh, somewhere in the draft, usually later on. But I'm very intrigued, and with the CBA negotiations going on right now, and that by the way, that was a major talk uh, last night too. Talking to Albert sure. Breer, who's writes for Sports Illustrated, but talking about this uh, the CBA situation and how they may even move back free agency another week, but like the owner's angle of what the owners want to do and sort of a here's the deal, take it or leave it type of players. Yeah. And the players are like, well, we do have like a whole nother year. We also know the owners would love to have a long-term extension in place as they go to the TV uh, uh, contracts because that's also uh, going to happen this year. But they love to have, hey, we got we have a five- or a ten-year deal set with the players. Let's do a huge TV contract. Yep. I think the players know that also. So it's like, well, mm-hmm. let's wait around a little bit longer to sort of put more pressure on the owners to give us a little bit better deal. But anyway, having said all that and having talked about the Vikings drafting maybe a late-round quarterback, there's also conversations about maybe increasing roster size a little bit. Yeah, Possibly even have, uh, and again, this is a part of a conversation last night, where you know they might have one, if not two, offensive linemen dress, but not be on the quote-unquote active roster. So like right. the third quarterback. Emergency scenario. offensive linemen. Yeah, because there was many scenarios, and I, I was talking to Rich Scangarello last night, again, he works for the Eagles now, talking about uh, since he's been in the NFL almost every single year, they have had to uh, you know, have basically a tight end end up playing tackle for a few snaps. And yep. they've had multiple situations where they have tackles playing guards and mm-hmm. your right tackle playing left guard. And, and just, you know, it, when two or three guys go down, it's a disaster, right? Uh, you know, for an offense. And, and, and it's, it's very possible that offensive linemen just go down. It's a very physical position. But that was an interesting thing. Uh, in this new CBA contract uh, negotiations, and and maybe that's more of a not even a negotiation, just like something they should just change for everybody's uh, you know uh, well being is to basically dress one if not two offensive linemen, and but if they go in 
the other guys then can't go back in the game, right? And, and, and again, maybe the third-string quarterback, something similar to that. I think the NFL should go to mandatory three-active roster quarterbacks. I uh, totally agree. Yes. I think it's because it's, you know, it's, it's a quarterback league. They want to develop quarterbacks. Everyone talks about there's not enough good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Well, let's have guys uh, that are dressing for games that are getting ready and may even get it at the end of a game if you're up by three touchdowns with three minutes left. Put in that young guy just to give him some reps, mm-hmm. get him some experience uh, and develop those guys. And I think it'd be really smart to have more of those situations where you have, whether it's offensive linemen or quarterbacks, uh, to possibly get those guys on the field, but maybe inactive in a sense of actually not having to play. Yeah, and with the quarterbacks, it would even allow you to draft more, I guess, if you wanted to. You know, Teams would probably pick more if they had a spot for them, but a lot of times if the guy can only be on the practice squad just because you're only dressing two on game day, then like the Vikings have done, it's not really worth it. So they've just kept someone on the practice squad and then they're two guys, um, and usually the practice squad guy is just a guy. Yeah. It's not someone that they necessarily have viewed as becoming a long-term quarterback option that they're really trying to develop. He's a guy that like knows the offense, he's very likable, you know, in the case <laughs> yes. the starter goes down they can sign them for a week yeah. or two but definitely not like a, a play it doesn't seem like they're true development guys yeah. and and yep. i look back to my career i was really really lucky that i played early on in the era that pretty much everybody had three quarterbacks on the roster right and i dressed for all those games i was the third quarterback for my almost uh, about three and a half almost four years of my career that allowed me to develop. You know, I'd go into these game days knowing I probably wasn't going to play, uh, but I, I did get experience. And you know, we again, we might be ahead by three touchdowns or even behind by a whole bunch of points, and they just throw me in at the end of the game yeah. and got some experience just to be on the field, even though it didn't really matter. But I think it really did help with my development and allowed me to move up to from a three guy to a you know sort of a long time two guy. And I think the NFL needs some more of that. Speaking of the quarterback development, I know you're a big XFL oh, yeah. watcher. Oh yeah. Um, cause you don't have children and other people on Saturday and <laughs> Sundays in the off season actually try That's to like, do things like that. But, um, PJ Walker, he's this player. I'm not even sure who he's playing for. I'm the not Houston Roughnecks, but, but he is he sort of lit this league on fire. Yeah. If you know, super fun to watch. And you know, what people don't realize is the NFL Europe back in the day before it shut down, a lot of NFL people more considered that as an, as a, is a quarterback development league. Like that's pretty yeah. much the reason why they had that. Of course you have the Kurt Warners and Jake Delomes and a lot of guys sort of on and on that sort of came out of playing at least one season in NFL Europe. I'm wondering if guys like PJ Walker will now get an extra shot i i, I gotta imagine they will uh, because one it's just experience just having that experience yeah. after college football maybe playing some small school or mm-hmm. you know people didn't see him as that or may, maybe like an anthony gordon the washington state could use a one-year guy not a ton of experience but to get an extra uh you know uh, eight games or so really half of nfl yeah. season and in, in the xfl that's got to help a lot of those guys i mean with cardell jones he had only played 12 games since high school when he started in the xfl i mean think about how crazy that is and he won all of them he actually just lost his first game since high school or maybe ever as a starter the other day for the dc defenders I, I feel like i remember when ohio state played oregon in that national championship game that people were talking you know hey he might be a top five pick yeah i mean he's yeah. got this monster size and he's got this huge arm mm-hmm. and he's a he was a good athlete for a huge guy like he's a dante culpepper and just never happened yeah like it's just amazing how and never got on the field never got on the never field, got a chance it's just amazing how far people are off on oh, on these quarterbacks, sure. and of course, yes. again, we'll we'll have anywhere from I'd say three to mm-hmm. 
maybe as high as five guys going the first round, and you got to imagine at least two of those guys will fail dramatically in the NFL. So speaking of quarterbacks, we have another domino. So we've had some dominoes to fall. Phillip Rivers is not returning to Los Angeles. Drew Brees is coming back. According to Ian Rappaport... Oh, coming back, but they haven't done a contract. Right. right. But if he says he's coming back, you do the contract. Yeah. Right? You just figure it out. And last year you took $25 million, which was probably actually a little bit low for what yeah. you know, Drew Brees probably could have asked for if he wanted to be a pain in the neck. And he'll sign a two-year deal with lower cap hit in the first year. You, you know, they, he can do stuff like that. And, and the Saints are one of those teams that kicks the can down the road a little bit. Like Absolutely. The Steelers have always done that. But yep. by the way, another hot topic, what, is the, what do the Dallas Cowboys do with the Dak Prescott situation? I mean, he has asked for 40. The team says 30, which means the 35 is this like match magic number which i don't mm-hmm. think the team wants to do they can franchise tag him you know is he is he that good is he uh, is he really the guy they're really going to hang their hat on or do they trade him to somebody else and then go up and draft the guy they really like he got a new coaching staff there uh they do have a good quality ball club there i, I thought they were uh you know I, I really like i've been friends with jason garrett for a long time but i really think he was they got got out coached last year mm-hmm. uh, i thought they had a quality defensive line and some good players over there the offensive line has been very very good of course they have uh, zeke elliott and they have uh, amari cooper who amari cooper's a free agent he is a free also agent. yes um, so the cowboys have some some real questions as well so but yes. you know the, the quarterback carousel sort of thing, the domino thing you're talking about this offseason, is, is probably the most fascinating offseason for quarterbacks that I can ever remember. And the one that fell, according to Ian Rapport, is that Carolina is bringing back Cam Newton. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't draft a quarterback or that they couldn't be a team trying to trade up for Tua to look forward down the road to eventually move on from Cam, but they must see enough from him medical-wise to believe that he can come back and play for them this year. But it seems like the foot has been a pretty big issue for him. Last year, he plays in the preseason for what reason, I don't know, and he ends up getting hurt, and, and they lose him for the entire season so they essentially kind of have a tank year a little bit um they'll get a high draft pick and they could get a receiver high to help cam newton um, they're also uh, bringing in joe brady from lsu who yeah. was very creative offensively and helped out joe burrow a By the lot. Way, massively surprises me i will say that cam newton is probably going to come back to carolina me like too. that really me I, too. I just thought the organization's like okay we you know we got the best out of cam he was a really I really totally good player agree. when he was young he's not as mobile anymore they just, you know, they have a new head coach. He's a college guy. They have a college coordinator. Of course, you know, Brady had been with the Saints, but he's coming from LSU and, and with Joe Burrow. It just seemed like that was, and I think it was a six-year contract that they maybe have given the head coach, like a, like a little bit of a longer deal, yes. like a Shanahan yeah. deal. So it just really, everything just speaks like they're going to start over. Like they're going right. to get rid of some of these veterans. Luke Keekley retires. Mm-hmm. I just look at that as like, that, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, whether they would, they probably, I don't know if they could trade Cam Newton, but you know, even if they just released him, but like we're going to start over the, or at quarterback. You know what's really interesting? I was talking to um, Scott Turner last night. We're talking about their quarterback, Kyle Allen, who started for, I think, the, the basically most of this yeah, most past of the season, year, yep. right? They got him for $3,000 as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he, he liked him in college, he said, um, and he went to his GM. He's like, how much can we you know, offer him as a, you know, his undrafted free agent guys? And the GM said, we offer him five, $5,000 is all I'm going to go for, for, that, for that player. He was, he was like one of the lowest quarterbacks they had, and he called up uh, uh, um, his agent, Kyle uh, Allen's agent, and he goes, you know, how much you guys looking for? And he goes, 3000 bucks. He goes, sold. Like, it was a deal, you know, <laughs> save two grand. It's, a, it's amazing. Amazing. We're at in you know uh, a fifteen billion dollar yeah. a year league. There's only thirty two quarterbacks, and like one of the guys that started 
the majority of last season uh, in the NFL was gotten for a three thousand dollars signing bonus. So yeah, and that's funny because I've seen players come in before who are given a hundred thousand dollars to come in as undrafted free agents, and they bust, and you just wasted a hundred k on a guy who never came anywhere close. Uh, I've got some headlines I want to run down here real quick. We've got a couple of minutes before the break, so just give me your short and instant reaction to a couple of these things. Um, the Giants are open for business at the number four pick. It makes a lot of sense in my mind for them to try to drop down in the draft to get more talent. If anyone's looking to start over, it's the New York Giants. Right. I mean, uh, how far that organization has come. I played for them in 2010. They ended up winning the Super Bowl in 2011. And it has just been a steady decline and consistent decline. They, they, you know, need a lot of, uh, players. Uh, you know, the exact, you know, four guys are not going to change that team. They need like 10. Uh, they complete rebuild. The coaching staff they have put together in New York, by the way, is one of the strangest situations. Usually yeah. you hire a coach and they try to hire as many guys as they know. This is like a hodgepodge of, I mean, Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens are going to be working together in the same room. Right. I mean, they're like yeah. complete opposites. One's an Ivy League guy and one's a uh, Poison Ivy guy or something. You know, So it's like they're the complete opposites. I sort of like that, by the way. Uh, but that's an interesting coaching staff, and they're starting over. So I'm, I imagine they'll want to... You know, move down in that draft, and of course, of course, Jason Garrett's not only the offensive coordinator, but he, of course, has that great history going back to those Dallas Cowboy days of giving up, you know, a star player for a lot of draft mm-hmm. capital in return. Worked out really well for the Dallas back in the nineties. Uh, some news that pertains to the Vikings: Justin Simmons, the Broncos say that they'll franchise him. He is the other top safety. It's Anthony Harris and Justin Simmons on the free agent market. So they say if they can't get a deal, they'll franchise tag him. And if they do that and Harris is on the market and the Vikings don't franchise tag Harris because they can't because they don't have any money, that means Anthony's going to get a lot of offers. If he is the only guy out there who can really change anything on your back end, then I see it as being very difficult for the Vikings to keep him because his price will be high. I think he's going to get a lot of offers either way. And Simmons for the Broncos is a freakish athlete. He's long. Uh, he can cover uh, in the secondary. He also can. He's a pretty good tackler for not a guy that's uh, you know built like a Harrison Smith. Right. Uh, he's a heck of a football player. And and I think that you know Anthony Harris is his value. And and you know congrats to him by the way. You love those stories of the guys that sort of put in the work. They're not superstars. They're not first round draft picks. They may not play all that much the first couple years. But when they get their opportunity, they make the most of it he's going to get a big payday the question is will it be the minnesota vikings all right let's take a break and when we return i've got two positions that i specifically asked rick spielman about today and i will give you what he said and we will discuss whether these positions sage can fill in immediately for a need for the minnesota vikings that's when we come back it is purple daily live from the nfl combine here on score north Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app this month. One lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to the Amazon.com just for having and using the app. Register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. 
right, welcome back to Indianapolis and the NFL Combine. Matthew Collar along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels, who has just been finding everyone and anyone to chat with about football and especially about uh, some of these quarterbacks in this class. So we'll continue to talk about that over the next couple of days. But something that I wanted to bring up to you, Sage, and get your opinion on is which positions do you think the Vikings could fill a spot with right away? We know how uncertain the NFL draft is, but I asked Rick Spielman about which positions translate quickly, like you could step right in and you could expect the guy to be good, uh, and others that take more development. So which, in your opinion, do you think would be the toughest to step right into the mix, and which would be the easiest? Well, they generally say the general rule of thumb is the closer you are to the ball... Uh, at least on offense, the longer it takes to develop. So quarterbacks, linemen, those guys take more time. There's more complexity there where a running back is, of course, it's not just giving the ball and go run, but um, the natural talent is the most important thing. Sort of same with the wide receiver position. I think defense, it might be almost the opposite. I think you can have D linemen come in right away uh, and play. And I think you know with the Vikings where they're situated, again, because they're consistently – in the, uh, you know, average to good to very good, they never have uh, almost ever a top fifteen pick, and that actually hurts your ability, right? To like get to the Super Bowl. I mean, what happened with San Francisco last year and their quarterback getting hurt uh, fairly early in that season, and them having a bad year and getting Joey Bosa uh, with the second pick, I think, in the draft, Nick last Bosa year? or Nick Bosa, excuse with me, pro- fourth fourth pick, yeah, top five pick Somewhere or whatever it was. Yeah. I mean, that is huge. There's like luck involved in having a bad season, but the Vikings don't have a high pick again. They have a lower pick. So when you go lower pick, well, you're not going to get the top quarterback. You're not going to get the top wide receiver. You're probably not, not going to get the top tackles uh, in this draft, top corners. You're going to be, you know, maybe the third third corner, maybe the fourth corner, maybe the third tackle, those types of things. So uh, it might be a position where that's when the early, in, you know, the, one of the first interior offensive linemen goes is late in the first round. Or what I like a lot of times is a really good safety. You know, at times good safeties will go at the end of the first round or early second round as well because the value is not quite as high as that left tackle or is that corner or is that quarterback. And so uh, even though they're really, really important players, maybe that's a position where if they let Anthony Harris go in free agency, they can get their starting free safety right. at the end of the first round. Yep. Okay, so you uh, walked right into the conversation with Rick Spielman. Is He acknowledged they're going to have needs to fill. He wouldn't say specifically which ones that they think they'll need to fill. It depends on what Anthony Harris's demands are and whether Everson Griffin wants to come back, whether they're going to cut Xavier Rhodes, which I think is a foregone conclusion, but they haven't done it yet, so we'll wait and see. And the same thing goes for Linval Joseph. And uh, he talked about corners specifically taking a while to figure it out in the NFL needing a couple of years like it's really hard for a cornerback because of the level of competition how much it jumps but also the rules change and that is a really interesting twist to it that I mean you can do whatever you want to receivers in college down the field where the NFL you get five yards to do what you're going to do and then you have to be able to straight up run with them which is why the 40 is worth watching for corners because even though Richard Sherman isn't that fast he's the exception most of the time the 40 corner Correlates pretty well to success. If you can't run under four or five, you just can't run with NFL receivers. One of the biggest reasons Trey Waynes was drafted in the first round was is just flat out insanely speed. fast. So, yeah, that, that cornerback position, uh, you know, is, 
is extremely interesting. That forty time uh, is very very important for them. Um, it, you know, I, I don't I don't follow the draft that closely. Where I, I did hear last night that this is a deep wide receiver. You didn't draft but now you do. But uh, yeah, so I'm, you were I'm, grinding tape in your hotel room last night. I mean, you now follow the draft really closely. Quarterbacks though, quarterbacks. You know, I, I, I was I was talking to Chris Sims earlier, and he was and he was like, yeah, he he goes through all these players. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a list of you know 150 guys, probably the first three or four rounds that he is really like looking at all these guys watching at least a game if not two games uh yeah that's 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 serious effort going into this thing it so, is yes uh, but yeah that, that cornerback position is a position where uh you can draft a guy and and they can play right away it does take some time there's also an interesting thing about what type of cornerback and what type of defense it is you know i think the guys that are just straight up man-to-man those guys can play a little bit earlier. Sure, I can see that. It's basically line up and chase. I right. mean, that's sort of what they're doing. And of course, there's plenty of technique involved. But the zone corners. Now you're talking about reading and reacting, uh, and and those types of things, which is really understanding offenses and 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 the offensive passing game concepts that teams like to do. And of course, like you know, the run game fills. You know, the, the sort of the more Antoine Winfield, you know, types of corners. They're they're very different. And when teams draft, uh, you know, man to man guys versus sort of more. Zone own guys and uh and, and, you know again speed's very very important in that position especially with how much man-to-man the minnesota vikings play which right for the vikings if they're looking for an outside corner then it might be a situation where someone has to come in and play right away even though in the past they took it slow with xavier rhodes they took it slow with trey wayans and slow with mike hughes but they're in a spot now where they could lose their two starting outside corners hughes would plug in you can't rely on holton hill for anything i think it would be a big step if he just went an offseason without a suspension uh but i mean he has some talent out there but you can't really say oh yeah plug him right in so you have to look at whether your first two picks if you're not looking to the free agent market the problem with that is the free agent market is just not good because if you have a good corner you keep that corner yeah. you very rarely let really good cornerbacks hit the market but i was thinking though with this team in win now mode if mike zimmer says hey i want to be able to develop these guys over a couple of years that they would want to dip into the cornerback market maybe there's someone who fits the bill but for other, there also might be a corner they like that fits the Viking scheme better. That maybe didn't have great numbers, and so is not going to dema- uh, demand fifteen million dollars right. because he was in a more yes. of a zone scheme somewhere else. Right. That's a great point. Is that I think that's finding value. I think in free agency. If you're looking to fill needs right away, corner is possible, but not maybe as likely as something like defensive tackle. And this is a very good defensive tackle draft. There's a lot of really good athletes at that spot. There are guys who are quality college interior rushers that might fit the bill for what Mike Zimmer wants. So whether they move on from Linval Joseph or not, they need a defensive tackle. Last year we saw Shamar Stefan play way too many snaps for them. He had six pressures the entire year. I mean, I know he's only playing first and second downs, but six pressures is just not enough. Well, that's one of the issues with uh, you know the Vikings uh, on longer defensive line, and where you saw San Francisco with the, that dominant defense all year long, and they they were actually you know fairly dominant in the Super Bowl until basically the fourth quarter. But they have all four guys that can really rush the passer. It's not just the defensive end, which you know the I think, you know Everson uh, in, in his whole situation, but obviously Daniel, they have good pass rushing defensive ends. 
but they don't have great pass rushing interior guys. Right. I mean, can you imagine Aaron Donald on this Vikings defense? <laughs> it would completely right. change. That's what they want in Tree The dynamic yeah. of this defense, and they don't have that right now. They don't have that interior, you know, pass rusher that can also stop the run, but that can really get out the after the quarterback in passing situations. Yep. And, and if I were putting money down in terms of here's who I think that they will try to pick first to fill an immediate need, that position specifically is one that I would be looking at. And uh, I'll get you some top names because this is this is the season where we start to dip our toe in for who are the guys that you need to know. So there are certain players that probably don't drop to the Vikings. One of them is Derek Brown from Auburn, too much of a beast. He's going to get taken pretty high. But there's a guy that's sort of interesting here named Javon Kinlaw, who is not going to work out at the Combine. I believe he got hurt at the Senior Bowl or was already hurt, and they didn't want him to do a lot of stuff. Um, but his numbers in terms of how he scored by PFF and things like that are really, really good. He's six six. He's three ten. He's a guy that kind of has it all. And if he drops at all, I've seen him in some mock drafts drafting a little bit. If you want somebody who can make an impact on twenty twenty, I think that's your type of player you're going for. You know what's really interesting, by the way, about the D line uh, position uh, in the NFL is how many guys come from the SEC conference. Oh yeah, it's along. amazing. Yeah, you know the SEC definitely. I'm not gonna get in this whole you know Big Ten and ACC and Big Twelve and Pac twelve and all that stuff. But because the SEC does have the most guys drafted year in and year out. Oh, yeah. But in particular, along the defensive line, it's incredible. Uh, you know how many guys come out from the from the uh, from the SEC playing defensive line. I think they have five D linemen going the first round. Four of them in some of these mock drafts and things. Four of them from the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, and uh, Javon Kinlaw, he had uh, ten sacks in the last two years in in twenty two games. So a guy that did have sack production. And then when you look at the way that Mike Zimmer designs his defensive fronts, a lot of times someone like like Tom Johnson or Sheldon Richardson had great success playing that three-technique position, and it would make sense to me if they were targeting that spot. There's another guy named Ross Blacklock who comes from TCU that could be someone else who's very athletic, could kind of win the combine, if you will, and you start hearing his name a lot more. I I wouldn't be surprised if you saw these guys be uh, in the radar of the Vikings in terms of that 25th pick. I I think what the Vikings need is, I think the key word is disruptive. They're looking for a a disruptive guy. That's a good way to put it. When I was in Houston, uh, Gary Kubiak was our head coach, 2000, I'm going to say, seven or eight. We drafted a Moby Okoye. And he was really young. He was something like 19 years old, 20 years old, went to college as like a 16-year-old or something like that. And we drafted him fairly high in the first round, 12th, 15th pick, something. And he never became that player, but they were like looking for the next Warren Sapp. They were looking for a sure. guy that wasn't a run clogger. They were looking for disruptive, a guy who could you know uh, get up the field, could create uh, some havoc in, 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 well, while pass rushing, but also in the run game scheme, get some, just mm-hmm. some pressure uh, you know, up the field and, and disrupt the, the the entire offense and not just sort of hold the point and hold that double team, but somebody that actually got vertical penetration in the offensive line. And, and I thought it was one of those things where when you lost Tom Johnson to just old age, um, it hurt them. And, and when you lost Sheldon Richardson to free agency, it hurt them. 
uh, because those guys were so good at not allowing quarterbacks to step up yep. because they were able to push guards back into the quarterback or make moves where they could uh, force guards or first I'm sorry quarterbacks to try and roll out and then you roll out right into Daniel Hunter you roll out right into Everson Griffin last year I just remember specifically in Dallas with Dak Prescott stepping up around the rush over and over and over again and finding guys down the field after doing that that can't happen if you're going to have a top defense so that's one position to target those two names I would watch, Kinlaw and Blacklock. Now, how about the tackle position, Sage? I asked Spielman, hey, so where is it deep this year? And he specifically mentioned it being a deep draft with tackles and not in the interior. Last year there were a bunch of guys who came out that were good interior prospects, and you saw Garrett Bradbury step right in, Elgton Jenkins stepped right in and played quite a bit there, and you know some other guys around the league. This year, there are more tackles that might be out there. And if you're the Vikings, this is where it's going to be tricky, in my mind, is you need a tackle for the future. If you don't have a left tackle for Kirk Cousins, if you're going to make him your guy, you're in trouble, and we've seen that the last two years. But Riley Reef at this moment is an average tackle, which if you draft a guy, you don't know whether he's going to be average, especially right away. Yeah, one of the you know great reasons that San Francisco had so much success this year, uh, obviously running the football, but you know Joe Staley has just been an absolute stud over there. I mean, is Joe Staley a Hall of Fame you know type of? player possibly I he mean, might not make it but he's worth it he's going to have a long career but he's you know, he's very athletic uh it's hard to have big strong guys who are also good at running you know, as far as like the outside zone and cutting people off and that can really move uh but joe staley can do that and d- does a heck of a job in pass protection of course they got uh, mike mcglinchy uh on the right side so they got two very good tackles uh but you know what well, when, when you watch a game you always see the sort of the defensive end left tackle matchup. They constantly show it, you know, on the networks. But it's a lot of times it's those interior guys as well to sort of create the pocket to not get that penetration to hold those defensive linemen somewhere near the line of scrimmage so the quarterbacks have somewhere to step up in the pocket if those tackles get beat a little bit on the outside. Right, right. And uh, how about rookies though? I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean. When you're talking about rookie tackles, it can be very tricky. It can be a nightmare. Right, yeah. Tricky is being nice. And again, horrible. That's a position where I have seen guys come in, you know, first round draft pick or second round draft pick and really struggle in their rookie year, but end up having actually really, really nice careers. I mean, but they're just sort of outgunned, outmatched. They don't really really, you just don't really realize how good. NFL defensive ends are. I mean, they are the some of the freakiest athletes in the world. That a lot of times they have. It's not like college; we only have three or four years of experience. These guys uh, understand all the pass rushing moves, all the sets of the tackles. Uh, they become very, very refined and, and specialized as defensive ends, and it takes a, a tackle with some experience to be able to counteract that. So that's a position to it. It's, it almost seems like as we as we look at this combine, as you look at this draft, man, I wish the Vikings had like three first round draft picks because <laughs> that's what they with, need because they're going to have some holes to fill yeah no for sure that's what they need and to the point about rookie tackles last year uh Jawan taylor for jacksonville was the best rookie tackle by pro football focus grades and he didn't even get out of the average like he was average and allowed 40 pressures and eight sacks which is a lot as a rookie and he was the best and guys that they were talking about even we talked about Andre Dillard quite a bit and I still think he could become a very good player replacing Jason Peters Philadelphia knows offensive lineman I think he'll be good in his first year though he only played 183 dropbacks from the quarterback and allowed 17 
hurries, four sacks, four quarterback hits. So, I mean, every third snap he was allowing something to get to his quarterback in his first year, and he scored a 59 grade by pro football focus. How about Caleb McGarry, the guy that was taken by Atlanta? 53 grade, 49 pressures, 13 sacks. I mean, these guys were really bad in their rookie years, and that's what you can pretty much expect. So if you're going to draft a tackle in the first round if you're the Vikings, I think you have to keep Riley Reef there and then develop that guy for 2021, but then you're not filling a need right away. So you know how you, you, I know how much you just love talking about hand size. It's love like it. one of your favorite things. Like you don't realize like, might matter. If we're just like having coffee at a Starbucks or something, you're talking about people's hand sizes. It's just like a thing that you have. But I honestly, introduce you as a guy with giant hands. <laughs> it's do. like the first thing I say. Uh, like, oh, he played in the NFL, but look at these hands. Honestly, uh, but you know, left tackles. I don't think they care about their hands that much. Arm length. They oh, it's will a big deal. measure. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And some guys have shorter arms than others, but arm length uh, extremely important for the left tackle. Of course, not more days. Tackles are almost like tight ends in a way of their overall athleticism. You know, they're they're not your sort of your lumbering uh, interior guys. They want those tackles to be athletic. Uh, a lot of times they're pass protecting by themselves, trying to keep those in inside three guys to sort of take care of the inside two uh, defensive linemen. So those tackles are on island. And, and having long arms, again, something, another one of those things they'll be measuring here at the 2020 NFL Combine. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, it's funny about what things matter because there will be some people who just tell you, ah, it's the underwear Olympics, who cares? And that's not really true. But in terms of all the things that they make them do versus what really matters, there are only a handful of things and they're very position specific. Where I think it's the underwear Olympics is almost more of like the throwing sessions for the quarterback. I mean, every quarterback, are, they should basically know exactly what throws they're going to have to make. They've been practicing these things for a while, so to go, oh, that guy threw a nice curl route. Well, like, you know, he's been practicing that route time and time again over the course of the last month. They should throw that curl route. It doesn't mean that uh, he can read the coverage to throw that route or he can move in the pocket to throw that route. He can just go back and throw a nice curl route. So that, to me, is when the NFL comment becomes a little bit ridiculous. Is like, oh, that guy threw that route that he's been practicing time and time again. There's no defense out there and he threw right. an accurate ball wow he looked great right and and i mean of course a lot of it has to do with tv with the quarterbacks throwing i think is let's get them out there in the field let people will watch that prime time this year yeah, exactly people want to see that but you've got hours and hours and hours of tape to watch of them playing real football games that's going to tell you a lot more but there are certain things Defensive linemen specifically, if you look at how their their burst is, the 10-yard splits. Yeah, and the, 40 yard isn't that big a deal for a lot of players. It's actually that 10-yard, yeah. especially for defensive linemen and, and some linebackers too. Right, so if you have like the, the explosiveness, you think about what you even do as a defensive tackle or a defensive end. You're lining up in a stance that's kind of similar to a 40-yard dash, and you're exploding off the line. Yep. And if you add technical ability with explosiveness, that's how you end up as a really good NFL player. So it matters a lot to look at those numbers. There aren't that many guys who have had successful careers on the defensive line who don't have really good numbers. You have to be especially technically great. I think football, uh, just because of the how the sport is and sort of what it is you know compared to basketball but definitely like compared to baseball and baseball all that matters is production they don't care what your arm length is or your hand size or your shoe size or your body fat comp you know percentage or whatever if you can hit a baseball you can hit a baseball they don't care about that stuff but the nfl just by the way 
it is just designed the the game. All these things, you know, really, really do matter. And and uh, and, and you know, I don't know if people realize when you run a forty, they're also measuring your tw- your ten and yeah. your twenty yep. when you run the forty. So you know, again, every position is a little bit different. Do they, I don't know if they do they still do the wonderlick anymore or some oh, sort yeah. of yeah. mental test? I don't know why. Again, that test uh, is it's a fifty question test. Did I you take it? I took it. How did you uh, do on it? Do you know? I think I got thirty two. I'm not good. positive. It's no Ryan Fitzpatrick. No Ryan Fitzpatrick, and but there is you know different numbers they're looking for different positions on that too. It's it's uh, it's a, it's a twelve minute test. Yeah, fifty uh, questions, and I think you know quarterbacks they want to you know twenty five or more or a twenty or more. But other positions like D line they're fine with a you know, a twelve or a fourteen. So uh, it's interesting what numbers matter and to what position group. And, and also they have new different cognitive tests that aren't really out there. But I've heard from people who work within the league that the wonder is looked at as you know is the guy going to put in the effort to try and and that sort of thing or is he just going to get a really low grade and not care Uh, some of it is just how hard do you try yeah you know even even in those meetings of hey we want you to have a staring contest with it like will the guy sort of go along with it or will he be like what are you talking about you know like what's your attitude are you down for anything kind of thing so those meetings by the way and the you know the underwear olympics that we're at but those meetings Probably as valuable is all the stuff they do on the field. For sure. I mean, the quarterbacks got in on Sunday. All they're really doing for like the next couple of days is meeting, doing these simple measurements. Uh, I don't think they do bench press. They never used to. I still don't think they do that. So they're literally basically meeting with teams for like three days uh, before they go out and throw on you know Thursday night or really almost four days, right? So those meetings are like everything to these mm-hmm. players and you know the, the, these coaches, these GMs, uh, you know the head coaches. These are people that you're going to have, you're going to bring into your building, bring into your franchise, sort of right. bring into your family. And if you can't have a conversation with a guy, no matter how talented he is, do you want that guy to be a part of, you know, your, you know, three or four billion dollar organization, right? right. So those, right. those interviews are probably as important as all the numbers. And that's one thing that nobody really gets to see, but that's really the, like the magic of mm-hmm. the late night. Uh, you know, dinners and the late true. night staying around, uh, you know, some of the local watering holes is you'll get to talk to some of those quarterback coaches. You go, you know, what do you think of so-and-so quarterback in the meetings? Because those things actually are all happening right yeah. now. And we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get probably some of that inside information before they even throw on Thursday. That's right. Well, you have to go take a nap so you can be ready to go out and correspond tonight. Um, so the last thing for you. Hey, anything for, for the job. That, that's right. Yeah, you only know? for the job. You yep. don't want to do it. You just have to do it. Um, but before you go, and Courtney Cronin pops on the show here, Zimmer's going to talk tomorrow. What do you want to hear from Mike Zimmer? Well, I want to hear uh, all the information of who they're going to sign and who they're going to release and who they want <laughs> Aside to draft. From that, and, oh, um, Zimmer is surprisingly open sometimes. He's things. he's more open than than some others. That that's always the hard part about all these press conferences. You know, whether it's during the season, during the off season, of, of course. Here, I mean, their whole job is to give you just a little information, but not too much. Uh, I don't think he can. He's not going to give us anything about you know the stuff on Dig situation. If it is, it's by accident. You know, I don't think he's going to get too much information of who they. Need to draft. I mean, they're usually very, very bland in all those interviews. But you know, maybe get a little bit more detail of 
you know, how they're going to take that next step this year. You know, how are they going to get not just to, uh, you know, through one round of the playoffs, but how they, you know, get, are they going to make, how are they going to make Kirk Cousins better in a sense? And, and probably he's not going to improve that much, but how can they add some pieces around him? Offensive line. I mean, just how are they going to make this football team better overall? Uh, because I just really don't think they're going to get the details of, of any of the current players or any players that they may add. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, and that's what I want to hear too is, how valuable he thinks Anthony Harris is, how valuable he thinks Everson Griffin might be if they want to bring him back and things like that. That's where Zimmer isn't the best at holding his cards tight to the vest because he's an old-school football coach. And And he does have loyalty to a lot of these players. He does, very much. We've talked about that almost maybe to a fault times where he doesn't do the Belichick thing where he hangs on one year too long. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I, I think all players, uh, uh, current, even former guys like myself, they do appreciate coaches who sort of go out of the way to dump some praise on their guys that have been there for a number of years because, you know, the grass isn't always greener and, and some coaches are always like, oh, that team has better this guy and this team has better this guy and the, the players on the roster are like, hey, what about us guys who have been working our tails right. off and you've seen us in person and we've been doing all the right things? And, and the Vikings do a very, very good job of signing back their players. But this year... They may not have the money to sign back you know, guys like Anthony Harris. Journeyman correspondent Sage Rosenfels, Matthew Collar. You're listening to Purple Daily live from inside the Indiana Convention Center at the NFL Combine. We will take a quick break, and when we return, ESPN's Courtney Cronin comes on to give us her takeaways from what Rick Spielman said today, both at the podium and in his private session with us reporters. We will do that when we return here on Score North. Join Mackie, Judd, and Rami each Wednesday at 5 p.m. for Write That Down. The guys not only make sports predictions, but hold each other accountable for them each and every week. For your chance to be a guest picker on Write That Down, enter through listening rewards on your Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll get you back to the NFL Combine in just one moment. But a reminder, there's never an off-season for Purple Daily. Weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. right here on Score North. ScoreNorth.com and the free ScoreNorth mobile app, Purple Daily, is your only five-day-a-week show dedicated to the Vikings all year long, hosted by Matthew Collar. Listen throughout the week as Collar is joined by former Vikings Sage Rosenfels and Alex Boone, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin, who's coming up here in just a moment. But first, Rick Spielman at the press conference today at the NFL Combine talking about the Delvin Cook situation. I, I just I put Delvin in the same class as I have all of our other young guys, whether it's Daniil Hunter. We've always tried to keep our core young talent that we draft and develop. Kennedy Palomalu has done a phenomenal job with that position, and we'll we'll look at that. Usually we do not look at extensions until after we get through the draft. Um, right now we have so much ahead of us and a lot of decisions to make before the free agency begins and the new league year begins, and then we look at the draft, and once we settle down and everything, but I consider Dalvin into one of those core group of players uh, that we definitely want to try to keep. That's been your score on download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, welcome back inside the convention center in Indianapolis, Indiana. Matthew Collar and ESPN's Courtney Cronin now stepping in as Sage is napping so he can go out and get sourced information for us for tomorrow because that's what he'll definitely be doing later tonight is just reporting, straight reporting, no fun, nothing else, just reporting for Sage. Um, Courtney, where do you want to start? There was so much that we got today from Rick Spielman at the podium and then his private session with us. Which topic stood out to you the most? Well, obviously, him shooting down the notion that the Vikings are looking to trade Stephon Diggs. I mean, as we talked about on the show last week, and as I kind of went off uh, about... 
pretty in-depth about last week. This is what we've been saying. It's what you and I have been talking about. It's the logical explanation here uh, to why these trade rumors are just that. They're rumors. It's speculation. Um, so I think that that there was... There's truth to all rumors. There's truth to all rumors, as we found out from Stefan uh, last October. But, you know, the fact of the matter is the Vikings are not looking to trade Stefan Diggs. Now, it's not like Rick Spielman shut it down and said he will be on this team regardless of come hell or high water. But... As far as his future, they are going forward with him. He is very much a part of their plan for 2020, um, which I think it's something like this where you talk about the big offseason news. That is big offseason news. Yeah, it's a little weird when it's deleted or allegedly deleted Instagram posts and skeptic tweets that make you wonder about whether a player wants to stay on a certain team, but that's just the fact of the matter. Of That was the discussion uh, for the last few weeks, and I think it was a good clearing ground uh, for Rick Spielman to get in the way of that and just kind of ambush it to the side. So, yes, he did by saying all the reasons why they love Stefan yes. Diggs and why he should play here because he's under contract mm-hmm. and everything else. But we don't know from Diggs himself, which you asked Spielman point blank, has he expressed a desire to leave Minnesota um, or there wanting was no a trade? Answer there. The answer was, no, I haven't talked to his agent, it, which also does not address whether it's he not a has no. specifically talked to Stefan Diggs. Right. Um, so that's going to be interesting because both Adisa Bakari and Jeff Whitney, who are uh, Diggs's representation, uh, are here, and the Vikings will meet with him. Meet with both of them at some point this week, as they do with all the agents of players who represent the guys on their team and on their practice squad. So, uh, what I anticipate happening there is a very similar conversation because his agency got him that five-year extension two years ago. Uh, he is under contract through 2023. If he doesn't want to be here. And, the Vi- and if the Vikings cannot get something really damn good for him, then he's going to be here regardless. Like I don't, I can't see a situation. Like I know there have been a lot of people who've brought up. Well, what if he pulls an Antonio Brown? What if he tries to force his way out and just be a complete too much money, you know, nutcase and you know get angry and do silly things like Antonio Brown did to force his way out? I can't see Stephon Diggs doing that. No. Um, there's way too much money at stake. He had forty forty million was totally guaranteed in that contract, um, and he still do some of that money. So if you act like an you know, if, if you try to force your way out and you become such a distraction where they're able to void that, that's nobody wants that money voided. So I I think we're kind of it's still like a no story, but a story, if you know what I mean, just because we are talking about it, because it has been addressed by somebody um, who obviously would be in the know, even right. though he's not going to say too much about it. Uh, but it's an important point. Nonetheless, I, I think that he made it quite clear that the message to Stefan Diggs is, sorry, bud, yeah. if you want out, that's not happening. Because you signed an extension, and he was asked at the podium, and he was asked by us, and he started out both answers with, we signed him to an extension, mm-hmm. which is a pretty clear message. We don't want to move Stefan Diggs, and if he wants to go, then he shouldn't have signed a contract extension to stay with us through, like you said, 2023. But the fact that he would not answer my question direct of, has Stefan asked you for a trade, the the fact that he went with, well, we're meeting with his agent, said to me that either the answer is yes, that he did ask for a trade, or that they expect him to want a trade. Otherwise, you would just say no. no. And, right. and, and not, no, I haven't talked to his agent yet. Um, that was the answer. Right. And I remember I went back and looked because I was curious as to what Diggs specifically said last year when I point blank asked him, 
did you request a trade this week? And he said, I haven't communicated anything. And then I believe it was a follow-up of has your agent reach out. And it was like, you'd have to talk to them. So he's play- he played it in a way that kind of would absolve him a little bit of any sort of controversy or just kind yeah. of any sort of putting him at the center of anything. Right. But this is a place where that type of stuff unfolds. And it's a place where we find out a little bit more because it's not necessarily from these podium sessions where you get your best information, as we know, as Sage is going to uh, find out tonight during his uh, late night rendezvous at the Combine. Late night reporting is what he is doing. He's going to bed no later than 11 p.m. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Just as soon as he is done um, getting all of his reporting done he'll go back to his hotel room and he'll prepare for tomorrow's show yes. is probably what's going to happen uh well, well i think that there's on both sides both with spielman and Diggs. there have been opportunities for someone to come tell us hey stop all this mm-hmm. like th- th- there's nothing to it he is happy he's going to be here i don't know where this com- comes from and no one's done that well, i asked specifically about even what was being talked about on espn and yes. everywhere else and Spielman sort of went, well, uh, reporting isn't always accurate in the NFL. I know, but I also think that he's going to be wise to never close a door unless it needs to be fully shut. Like, if they can get an offensive tackle and potentially even a draft pick or anything that would benefit the team, they're not going to say no to that for Stephon Diggs. It could be like, we didn't have any intent of trading him, but something better came along. So he's always leaving the door open for that, which I understand. That's good business. Um, to me, I actually took it as, like this is his way of dispelling the notion of the trade rumors and the speculation for now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think any team, I think every player is always available for the right price. You know what I mean? Except like a very, very few elite quarterbacks. Usually. Quarterbacks, yeah. Like, you know, there's... I, I think, you know, I think Spielman honestly handled that, except for your question, leaving that one door a little way too wide open on yeah. the uh, one about, like, did Diggs himself just say no or yes? Right. Like, yeah. And I mean, saying yes would certainly open up a very big news story, but that's it, it why is... the speculation exists because no one has said, no one has asked Stefan, no one has heard from Stefan, no one has heard directly, has this guy asked for a trade? Right. And the fact that he didn't say no means yes, it has to. Otherwise, it's very easy to be like, no, I don't know why you guys are all talking about this. He hasn't asked for a trade. And it doesn't mean 100% yes, but it means that I would speculate much further toward yes and yeah. that what he's really trying to tell us is that that doesn't matter. That if he has requested a trade, the tough. answer is too bad. Right. Yeah. Tough cookies. So But at least they know how he feels. Yeah. That's a right. good point. I, that's a, I walked away thinking we know how everyone feels. Yeah. We know that he's not super thrilled and we know that they're like, uh, sorry, you're not getting traded because we like you. And we think you're really good at football and we need this continuity for Kirk Cousins, which leads me into Kirk Cousins. Sure. Here's my reading between the lines. Sage wasn't so sold, but you tell me if you like the theory. My theory is that Rick Spielman talking about continuity, talking about the system, talking about the clutch wins against Denver, against uh, Dallas, uh, and in the playoffs against New Orleans, and saying, yeah, we want to keep Delvin Cook, essentially. He came out and said, we want to keep Delvin Cook, and Irv Smith and and Thielen and Diggs to have this great group in front of and around Kirk, and and maybe improve the offensive line. He didn't say that, but that was sort of another read between the lines. It's a work in progress, is what he said. So it all says to me 
We think that Kirk Cousins can win, and we need to keep building everything around him. And five years from now, all these players need to still be here around Kirk or several years from now so they can keep growing all together. That's how I read it is that means Kirk going to be here with them. I believe that that's on the table, but I also tend to think that they're looking at this knowing that he has another year on this contract, that regardless, there's a no-trade clause, there's a no-transition-tag clause for 2021. They're looking at 2020 and whether or not they agree to the terms of an extension and if Kirk agrees to the terms of an extension, because both sides are going to have vastly different opinions of what an extension should look like, in my opinion. I wrote about this today at ESPN.com. Kirk Cousins has no incentive to accept anything less than what he did the first time around. Why would you set that precedent for a fully guaranteed deal if you weren't going to try to follow it up with an even more fully guaranteed deal? And play better than you've ever played before. Yes. One more games than you've ever won before. Yes, even though it was one playoff game, which, you know, I think Mike McCartney, his agent, who's going to be meeting on Tuesday with the Vikings, uh, has a right to go and approach him for that, but you're going to make a tough argument if you're asking for... Anything more than the 30 to 32 million range, if you're trying to get him in 34 to 35, you're going to have a tough time proposing that when Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger all have extensions or part of the last five that got extended among right. all quarterbacks, and they all won Super Bowls. Kirk, you've won one playoff game. So that's what they think the Vikings are going to say. We want you to take this deal. Kirk's, Kirk and his representation say, I'm not taking a hometown discount. So that's one thing that. They're at least looking, if they're going to look beyond 2020, that's fine. But we know he's locked into this deal right now. Honestly, it may be to his benefit to not sign the extension, to to play even better in 2020. And then the Vikings are going to have to pony up for him if they do indeed want to keep him. But it does make things tricky. But granted, we are in Indianapolis. Courtney, our draft scout, is here. Yes, The quarterbacks are going to be in Lucas Oil Field throwing. The long snappers, you mean? Well, I'm talking about quarterbacks. Oh, they could sure, yeah, potentially, The long snappers are obviously here. I, I They're was waiting for me. talking about your main focus. Oh, my main week, focus, yeah. Hopefully you catch a little bit of the quarterbacks. Yeah, but I mean, I'm definitely here for the long snappers and wingspans. And what else did Manny say? The, the oily, sizes, oily hips. Oh, oh, definitely. I definitely. was actually like looking at my hand earlier. I don't have a ruler with me, but Twice I'm like... Twice as big as Joe Burrow's. I was looking, I'm like, is this nine inches? No. Am I on mockdraftable.com? Um, no, you're not. And no, that hand is not nine inches. Nope. Nope. Not a chance. Okay. Well, I'm going to go find a ruler. That's like you done. saying that you could run under six in the 40. Not a chance. I think I said under five <laughs> initially last week. Didn't I say yeah. five seconds? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Alex looked at yeah. me like, well, what the hell are you talking about? And not under six either. No chance. Probably not. No but chance. um. But anyways, we are in the convention center. There is enough... Yeah, hallway yeah, we could for run a 40 here in the hallway. We'd probably um, run over a couple people. But yeah, I mean, like with the quarterbacks, they're in a great spot right now because however they come away from those conversations with Kirk's representation, they know, hey, we can go scout out another quarterback right. here potentially to take in the second round as a bridge quarterback if you can't find an extension worth agreeing upon, a figure worth agreeing upon for Kirk Cousins. Um, so I think that that's an important part to continue to look at. But, you know, it is tough, uh, a tough spot that they're in. I do get the notion, though, that for the cap reasons alone, it's worth extending Kirk Cousins and the front office feels that way. I definitely agree with you because then they can create some cap space they for themselves. They can go get somebody. They can right. go help themselves out. even or if you bring back a- Anthony Harris. Yes. So here's a comment from Anthony Lynn, which I think is really interesting. And I'm sure this was in reference to Tyrod Taylor, who might be the quarterback in Los Angeles next year. He was asked about something pertaining to quarterbacks and Tyrod Taylor. And he said, 
quote, there's still a handful of quarterbacks who can win from the pocket. Nowadays, the pure pocket guys are becoming outliers. So, I mean, how about that? A handful of guys who can win from the pocket is what uh, Anthony Lynn, the coach of the Chargers, said, which is really sort of telling about Kirk Cousins' position and how strong his position in arguing that he should be paid top dollar in the NFL when there's only a few guys who can win from the pocket and really Kirk has to be everything has to be perfect he has to be schemed away from from pressure and everything else right so I guess with that being the reality of the NFL I wonder if even over these last couple of years if the way that other teams would look at Kirk if he were to take it all the way to market would change I mean in terms of what his value would be let's say next year this is Kirk's risk Kirk's risk is next year they go eight and eight, which I think is reasonable. Very reasonable. I mean, they're only one year separated from eight, seven, and one. So let's say they go. Hey, eight they would have been eight. a playoff team. Eight, seven, I know. And one. Let's not get Kidding. into that. That annoys me. Yeah, it does. Um, bad, we don't need more bad teams in the playoffs. Okay, I agree with but that. anyway, so you um, let's say that you're you're Kirk Cousins and you go eight and eight or seven and nine. And then they say, wow, we took even a little off of a great team and you had a little bit harder schedule and you went 7-9. and nine. Well, we're definitely not paying you as much now. Yeah. And other teams going, eh, do we really want a guy who needs to be bootlegged out and can't do any of it on his own and, and things like that? Like, is that what you really want? And so I think Cousins risks... When you're coming off of your contract or your your career year, yeah. you want it to be a contract year. Of course. And so I could see Kirk trying to play hardball, but also saying, like, this is the right time for me to strike. Because if we go 7-9 and nine next year, they might let me go altogether. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the risk that you run. Because let's say he has a great year and it all works out. Then he's probably in the 34 to $35 million range, depending upon what Patrick Mahomes gets. I think it would work to Kirk's benefit. If I'm looking at it from through this lens, for him to wait until Mahomes gets paid, because he's going to be the first $200 million quarterback, that seems pretty obvious. Wait till he gets paid. Before that, wait till Dak gets paid. And then you can be right. like, all right, the market is where it's at. I'm going to reset it, or not reset. He won't technically won't reset it. I think Patrick's going to be where he's at for a while, but get close to that. So. If he does anything but where but finish where he was at last year and, and produce the way he did last year, you're going to be looking at potentially a discount. And he can he can say, well, I want to bet on myself. I want to go through this. I've done it before. Every place he's been, every year, those franchise tags. I mean, he he saw the benefit in that of betting on yourself and making money. I mean, it's not like he was making chump change. He was making up in the mid twenties every right. single year. Yeah. He was doing that. It was yep. fine. Um, but if you if you want to bet on yourself and hit free agency at 32 in the in the you know prime of your career and you didn't do so well in 2020 you're going to look at having to take the inevitable discount that you were trying to stay away from. Right, so right. There's, there's, I think now is the right time for Kirk to try I do and do too. this. I think it's, honestly, I think it's the right time for both parties. Kirk can continue to kind of stay hot in the area that he's in right now and, and continue to... Stay in the right Coob system? Yeah, stay in the right system stay at the highest value that he's going to probably ever be at, and the Vikings can get some cap savings and go get him a left guard if they want to in free agency or go get him a tackle. Because that's the one thing I also came away with of the offensive line. I mean, fairly obvious here, it needs work. But when when they're talking about like you know being active in free agency and the way they evaluated players and everything else and, and kind of their prioritization, the offensive line is kind of this like... This elephant in the room that everybody's the white whale, to talk- you might say. 
the white tiger, I believe, is the uh, right term. We do not have time for this debate, but it's definitely the white whale because the reference is for Moby Dick. But go on. Fine, but I'll just call it the white tiger um, (laughs) because I do whatever I want. And um, (laughs) it's just... That's that's where they need to like, and, and if you're Kirk, you're like, well, I kind of need some more help on the offensive line uh, because yeah. I know what it's like to play behind a bad offensive line. I played on this team in 2018, so and they weren't better. Like this is they this really were. They, they, just, they were was, not better. They just schemed. They ran more away from their weaknesses right. too by he running. Got sacked and, the same percentage. You mm-hmm. got pressured the same percentage. Their the interior scores, pressure was awful. Right, their scores on PFF were the same. They were just as bad. And that's where when he said that the interior draft is not as deep, but the tackles are. What what did you interpret that as? Because as maybe drafting a tackle and pushing Riley Reef uh, inside the yeah. guard potentially. Yeah, that or also we better get another guard high. Because there aren't that many of them in this draft, could be. I also looked at it as maybe you draft a tackle and he plays guard for a year and then you bump him to tackle. Yeah. Or we're going to have to go into free agency to get that guard. And I read it. I've read it as that. And I've also, like, just from behind the scenes, hearing things before I even got to Indianapolis, is that the offensive line, that they want to get something done with Kirk yeah. Cousins now because they want, and they want to do it before free agency. Create the space um, to create get the a guard. Create the space yeah. to go get a guard. Okay. So have Kirk sign in that, an extension in the next two and a half weeks, whenever yeah. March 18th is the start of the league year. Leaving Indianapolis with an idea or a deal in place to eventually go into effect during the legal tampering period, um, or at least like kind of come to fruition then, that's important for this team because last year was a disaster. They went into free agency with some money to spend, and then they're like, okay, Anthony Barr, you can come back. Here's the money we're going to go spend on someone else, potentially someone a little better than Josh Klein. And if we Um, were looking through, like, picking apart last year's offseason, that is by far the biggest mistake they made because Eric Wilson could have done the same as Anthony Barr, and Josh Klein made zero difference from the year before. He was almost as bad as Mike Remmers. Yes. Not quite as bad. It was a total disaster. There were, but points where he we struggled. Didn't, there were points where we didn't talk about him, which I think was a good thing for him. Remmers like became a whipping boy, but yes. Klein wasn't much better. No, I mean, he was it was just sort of a guy. It was very status quo. It yep. remained the same. Um, so the more things changed, the more they remained the same. And for the offensive line. For the offensive line. What about Zimmer and Spielman extensions? This year he elected not to reveal uh, whether they have signed yes. Zimmer and Spielman to contract extensions. Do you expect to get that news soon or mm. not? I'm going to ask Zim about it tomorrow. I'm sure other people have that on their mind, too. Uh, from my understanding, the extension that was being worked on the last few weeks or the talks that were taking place were not around Spielman, but specifically around Mike Zimmer. Hmm. Um, and you hear Rick's comments today, like we anticipate him being the coach next year and beyond that. So... I think that, you know, as Rick pointed out, the Wolves' statement before the Saints game was strongly worded, and it was a very powerful thing for them to come out in favor of their head coach and say what they said. I mean, they didn't do it. I mean, not saying that it's like there's selfish reasons in here, but they also were trying to say, hey, Jerry, back off unless you want to pony up a first-round pick for Mike Jerry Zimmer. Jones, you mean, yeah. Yes. Um, but I do anticipate that Mike Zimmer will get a contract extension or will find out about it soon. Uh, this is around the time of year that those things typically happen, like February, March. So I'll be really curious. Um, but for whatever reasons, uh, Spielman, it, it means a deal. I, I would like to think a deal is probably not done right now. It's yeah. the reason that they didn't say it. Because last year he came here and told us that they picked up his option. Zimmer's, that is. Uh, and then a month later we find out that Spielman's option was also picked up or right. exercised. Right. 
So are you thinking long-term extension for Zim then? Well, the rumored number I think I've said on this show or what we've talked about is somewhere in the four-year range. I think that that's probably the extreme of what's being put out there, and then they're going to try to meet somewhere in the middle. I think a two-year extension is healthy because if you don't do well this year – you're probably getting rid of him anyways and probably want to turn over the staff because... Depending on how it looks. Depending on how it looks. If it's 8 and 8, maybe. If it's 7 and 9, it's probably... I mean, they were, they were as we've talked about, they were potentially getting ready to make a change had that Saints game resulted in a loss. I know. Such um, an odd way to do it. Yes, and it's just... Based on one game. Well, everything sometimes feels like a cardboard house with this team, so... Right, like it could change at any time, and you just never really know. Yeah, One we talk about happen. how stable yeah. things are, yep. and the you know the leadership and stability under Mike Zimmer. Yet this is what we're what we've come to, where it sometimes feels like a knee jerk reaction to what happens. So, uh, last thing for you, just a couple minutes left here in the show, and then Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. Uh, Rick Spielman talked for a very long period of time about the potential for older players who they love to be on their way out. And he compared this year's situation to B-Rob and having to cut um, him a couple of years ago. Who do we think is out? I mean, do you have a a better sense at all from talking to Rick today who you think might be back and who do you think might go or not? Because I I don't really have a better sense for it. His his comments about Xavier Rhodes, like... I was watching him pretty closely to read the body language and read and see if I could read anything into it. I think he handled that probably how you expected him to without saying a whole ton. This team is a worse team in the secondary when Xavier Rhodes is playing. I'm yep. sorry, but this no is not going to get any better. He's going to be 30 years old this season. Um, we've seen the injuries take their toll. We've seen his style of play. It's not relevant in today's game. Like Right, he gets flagged all the he time. He gets flagged all the time. Like Corners can't look like that anymore. The body type, the build, the, the athleticism, like the level that he's at, at least in athleticism if, and speed. If you're going to, you have to be freakishly athletic, which he yes. once was, he was once, but yeah. is no longer. No longer. So that's the one that I, I think that I don't even need to hear Rick talk about it to know that that's sure. probably going to happen. Yep, um, agree. And they're going to meet with Sonny Shaw, who is uh, Xavier Rhodes' agent at some point this week. And I'm sure that it's going to be told, hey, you have a $12.9 million cap hit in 2020. Uh, what do you say we restructure? And you say no? Yeah, I wouldn't even like, say that. I'd say we're, we're cutting them. Uh, we, restructuring well, there's does point, you there's no good, point, I think. 4.8 in dead cap. So, oh, to restructure to cut? To cut him, oh, yes. Oh, well, okay, yeah. So oh, then, I was going to say, because a restructure... A like restructure you, would be you, interesting like, you could if they could actually do that. Even on a Linval restructure, if it was a serious cut, in, if it cut that cap hit in half, yeah. I would be like, okay. But if you're talking about bringing him back, I just don't think you can. No, and I think Linval's another good one um, that we kind of fall between the cracks when we talk mm-hmm. about so many of these yeah. guys. I think they have, what, 17 unrestricted free agents? Yeah, it's wild. Um, so they've got to figure... And no money. And no money. Like, they've got to figure that out which, you know, going back to Kirk really quickly, I do think that his representation, Kirk's that is, realizes the damage that that contract essentially did. You can still give somebody a fully guaranteed deal, but, you know, it brings up the question of the new CBA and the escrow rule, which really hurt this team because they had to put, I believe it was, if it's 84 is it, is total, it, it was 58 or 52 yeah, it's, it's million. Yeah, it's a certain percentage of it, right? In, into escrow, yeah. Basically, you have guarantees. to prove that you can pay it. Yes, and that's <laughs> it's such an antiquated rule yeah. uh, that was, I think, came from like the 70s, like yeah. the beginning. And that's of, why Oakland didn't keep Khalil Mack, correct, allegedly. Correct, and um, 
I do think that they will, if even if he wants another fully guaranteed contract, they'll try to structure it in a way where it's not going to inhibit this team's ability to be active in free agency because even his reps know that Kirk needs pieces around him. Can we get together tomorrow and have Courtney, our draft scout, show up and talk about some prospects? I mean, I'm just going to go down to the uh, testing room with my tape measure and I'm just going to start measuring, <laughs> measuring players. People. Like, people are going to be standing against the wall and I'm going to like be like Even if they're not out. Nope. prospects, just if, like people. If you have athletic gear on, if you have a hoodie with team, even like a team logo You're on it, them. be like, you might be like the secretary and i'm, that's me- the best I'm measuring your wingspan that's the best scouting is you can find the diamond in the very 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 rough oh so. i mean courtney our draft scout returns tomorrow she's she gonna be back in full force all right mackie and judd with rami coming up next uh courtney will join us again tomorrow at some point say drosenfels will be here all week here at the nfl combine so we will catch you tomorrow if you missed any of the show look wherever you get your podcast just type in purple daily we're also on youtube as well we put up a lot of our conversations so check it out there also all right we'll catch you tomorrow from indianapolis with winter weather making it harder to stay active Here's a gift idea for the outdoor adventurer in your life. The Allbirds Mizzle Collection. The Allbirds Mizzle is designed for those who won't take snow for an answer, featuring built-in puddle guard technology to keep the winter wonderland where it belongs, not in your shoe. The weather-ready sole offers enhanced traction, so you go on winter runs with confidence. And it's made with premium ZQ Merino wool, a naturally insulating material that keeps your feet warm and sports a low environmental impact. Allbirds displays their carbon footprint right on the shoe, so you can see the difference for yourself. On top of that, they actually offset the carbon footprint to zero, making their missile collection completely carbon neutral. So you can stay warm and dry while trading lighter. This holiday season, get on their nice list when you shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at Allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.